Is Army of the Dead going to be on HBO Max? Uh, Netflix. Netflix? Netflix? Uh, yeah. Ooh. It's, uh, it's already in Netflix. theaters. It's going to be in on Netflix Friday. Oh, it was already in theaters? I think That's it was supposed I was to be a week released. About what, when the release was. Yeah. And then that is also cool because like two months ago, I was like, you know what Netflix should really do? Yep. Netflix should start releasing their movies in theaters. Specifically just AMC theaters. Let's pump those numbers up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Except Dogecoin. That would be awesome. Yeah. If AMC was like, we accept Dogecoin and we're partnered with Netflix for Netflix exclusives. Yep. Oh, I jerk off so hard. And where we have an exclusive deal with GameStop to sell red cameras. Uh yes. <laughs> yes. And then and like video editing PCs. GameStop also needs to partner with AMC for like putting consoles in theaters and mm-hmm. doing the whole rent out thing like doing uh, the uh, fucking esports stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're going to buy MGM. Yeah, out from MGM underneath is, Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> nine point one billion, bitch. Uh, we sold all yeah. our shares in GME. <laughs> <laughs> I think Amazon's looking at MGM, and uh, Netflix is looking at Universal. Okay. So that, Damn it, those no. are things that are about to happen. Didn't we want Disney to buy Universal? Hey, by the way, we're going to use this in the podcast. So Welcome back to DQP Does, Draft Recorders Podcast Network Movie Review Show, where we talk about movie news, apparently. <laughs> I didn't know we started. Oh, shit. My pants are still off. You can leave them off, bud. Oh, it's a pod. Yeah. You put your pants on the podcast? Uh, <laughs> amateur. Yeah, yeah. You didn't notice us, like, waving in the breeze over here? Like, what's going on here, bud? <laughs> I wondered. He also has the leather chair, so. Wait, why did you copy-paste it instead of... So I went note. to the note and I hit share and then it sent it to you and I don't know why it sent like that but uh, I thought I did it it's right. Real long. Oh yeah, I forgot how long it was. Yeah. Is it a book? Books is dumb. It's a short story. Oh okay. It's that, under five thousand words. That doesn't look very short to me. That's still good. Okay. <laughs> short story. I'm like, there was a dog. He was red. He died. <laughs> My new, my new children book. I'm <laughs> fucking <laughs> gonna like, cry about it. It's terrible, heart wrenching. <laughs> Number one seller. So, yeah, uh, Netflix <laughs> is looking at buying Universal. Didn't we want Disney to buy Universal for some reason? Was there like some dumb crossover where we're like, wait, if they get fucking Universal, we could get all this we, stuff? We wanted. Disney to buy Universal so they didn't have to fuck with Universal about the rights for the Incredible Ah, Hulk. yes, that's what it was. Because it's one of the only characters other than Spider-Man that are yeah. at another production studio. and local. But it was just the publishing rights, though. Yeah. But that's why they haven't made another movie, because then if they'd have a, to give yeah. them a larger cut. Of... If it's an independent movie. Also, in other news, Eric Bana... <sighs> said in an interview the other day that he highly doubts that he will return to the Incredible Hulk role. <laughs> Recently? Yeah. 
Was he fucking high? <laughs> what year do you think it is? <laughs> thinks it is? What the fuck? I don't know. Now, as funny as it is, okay, and it is funny because initially when I read the headline, I was like, why the balls on this dude? And I like Eric Bana. All right, he's he's done some stuff. I like him. But then when I was reading the article, I was like, oh, okay, because like people from like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man verse is going to be in Spider-Man and like Doctor Strange's uh multiverse of madness like this is why they asked him so so there was like some sort of logical reason they asked him but i still thought it was funny that he was even kind of remotely relevant since he is like prop since that like might be like the the fourth or fifth worst superhero movie ever made um i would go with one of top one or two that one's awful it's definitely not one because that's catwoman in my eyes. It's yeah. definitely not I two. Even, okay. I, I haven't even watched Catwoman, so... But dude, Catwoman is, like, the worst. And it's definitely not two, because uh, Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern is still a movie. And... No, he, he killed that. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I. It's probably one of... It's probably, like, the... It's probably the third worst. Well, we also still have, like, the... Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer, and oh, I don't know. I don't, See, really I don't remember that one those. Exists, yeah. I watched them, but I, I blacked them out, man. Yeah. <laughs> Even that reboot of Fantastic Four was terrible. Yeah. Oh, see, I always forget about that because I haven't seen that. You saw all the uh, the advertising for the new phase, though, right? The new Phase Four, where like the like final images, the Fantastic Four logo like kind of stylized and they're like yeah phase four yeah Fa- phase f- big big yeah. four in blue and white Ooh, yeah like uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. john krasinski has definitely said in recent interviews that he is interested and would play mr fantastic if asked uh i'm however, asking him i'm asking him right now yeah <laughs> mr krasinski will you play reed richards mr fantastic and he'll look, at, he'll look at the camera and do this yeah. However, uh, visual it, medium. <laughs> his, his more, I guess, pretentious Audio wife, medium, whatever, <laughs> uh, said that superhero movies are played out and old. Um, oh yeah, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay. But then she Emily like has said, a very interesting sense of humor. Yeah. And a very interesting personality. Like she's like a whole person and a half. Yeah. So I'm wondering Is that unusual for females? Is there some underlying mass uh misogyny there? I think it's I think it's unusual for um I'm just the type of woman <laughs> that Emily is. Oh dude, bro. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. She is a Hollywood celebrity. I was like, hey, here's uh, the pit. Look, there's the pit. Don't did the pit you could easily avoid, and then you were like, I'm gonna jump in that bitch! When you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. <laughs> Usually the, um, the abyss isn't misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it is. Well, no, I just mean like, because no, you get I knew what like, you a meant. lot of these she actresses. Has, she has a lot of personality that she shows to the public as opposed to kind of acting demure and stuff like a lot of actresses yeah. have had to for years. Yeah, or well, or We've been told to some of that, like s- some of the actresses, like 
are just like uh, uh, some of actors and actresses, yeah. not just women. Like they're just a blank shell that Hollywood paints a face on. Or they like, act that way at least. Some yeah. of them are, but yeah. some of them just act that way. And then some of them are like a whole ass personality and I'm just sometimes I'm not used to it. Yeah. And well, like, okay, so Emily Blunt did say that, anyway, that they're played out, yes. but she also said that she would not be opposed to playing a character in um in the MCU. Yeah. She was also up for Black Widow. Yes. Mm. Um and then she had a scheduling conflict with some movie that was terrible. Yeah. I don't remember what it was. I don't but. remember what movie it was either. Yeah. Um so there's still hope. Yeah. And I'm still hoping cuz that is Dude, I, Chris, like, and I've seen a lot of comments where like the internet is like, no, we we don't think that Emily Blunt would make a good Sue Storm, but this is what I think of Emily Blunt. I think that she can play any motherfucking character that they put in front of her, and I don't I don't think a lot of actors or actresses like can do that. I, like some of them are character actors, some of them are just themselves. Yeah, and like. John has already shown since the office has been over that he can pretty much do whatever. That's but true. Reed is like a more mature, like older version of Jim in a way. Cause in the yeah, show, kinda. like Jim is like super, he's like super intelligent and he's always like, he's always fucking around. So like, if you take out the fucking around part and like, for the most part. Yeah. Because Reed always has inappropriately timed humor. Like, yes, that was the thing that I always thought, humanized him because like 99% of the time he's just like a computer basically yeah and like doesn't show any affection for anyone and then the other 1% he's either like telling his family that he loves them or he's cracking a joke when it's completely inappropriate and everyone's like really what the fuck (laughs) and he's like I thought it was funny yeah and like depending on what you've read like Reed Reed's characterization changes a little bit. Yeah. But like when he is when he's not just being like the patriarchal figure of the Fantastic Four and family, like mm-hmm. is when he really shines. Yeah. So <clears throat> but I, I got choked up about Reed Richards, I guess. I just dude, I and I liked Ian uh Guilford as Reed. Like I yeah, thought I he mean, did a he, good job. He like looked like a lot of the art of Reed. Yeah. You know, and he wasn't like a bad actor. It was just he was in a bad movie. Yeah. I didn't actually realize how much I loved that guy until I watched King Arthur with Clive Owen, which uh so Ian Guilford plays Lancelot, mm. which is a completely different character com- totally different fucking character from Reed yeah. Richards. And so Ian plays Lancelot, and when I watched King Arthur, I was like, Who is that guy? Who is that? No. Oh shit, that's it. Oh, I love this dude. Mm. Like, this dude is awesome. And like, I haven't seen him a whole lot in recent years. Yeah, I have. I don't. I have no idea what he's doing. But Dave, being a horror fan, that's me. You've seen Quiet Place, right? Yes. Oh god. It. I, I really dug it. The only problem is, <clears throat> uh, my buddy Tyler and I went and saw it in the theaters. Yeah. And it is the. It was the worst movie to try to eat popcorn to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there with my bucket of popcorn, and it's like completely silent. I'm like, crunch. I'll wait. 
<laughs> it never gets any any louder. You're just like, ah, fuck. Well, this is the first time I've ever left the fucking movie theater with half a bucket of popcorn. Yeah, yeah. So I started eating them, like, and I just like, I feel like I'm disturbing people eating all this popcorn. Yeah, you got to eat it all during the previews. There's like a couple scenes where there's sound, so you got to shove popcorn in your face during that. Yeah. <laughs> As long as they last long enough for you to chew and swallow, because then like it, it'd be really unfortunate if you just have a whole mouthful of popcorn and then it just goes completely silent. You're just like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that movie's great. Yeah, that, that I was because it's gimmicky. It's gimmicky as fuck. So when I went to watch it, I was like, ah, I hope this is good. It looks good. This could be real bad though. And then. I was like, oh man, this movie is great. There's some issues with it, but it's still fun. I still liked it. Yeah. Like, all that power, like, that's, you know, generators are not quiet. No. So, why is the, how's that running if these yeah. machines are tracked by sound or these monsters yeah. are tracked by sound? But I still dug it. Yeah, generators are loud as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't remember. I don't, I've only seen, I've seen the movie twice. So. Maybe we'll have to do that movie sometime. Time machines, okay. though. Time machines. They're quiet. How do they work? Uh, they, I don't know. They don't. They don't explain it in the movie that we were going to talk about this week. Predestination came out in 2014, rated R, an hour and 37 minutes long. Uh, I'll I'll tell you what the cast is real quick. It's not not a lot. Uh, Ethan Hawke as the barkeep. Sarah Snook as the unmarried mother. Christopher Kirby as Mr. Miles, Christopher Summers as Mr. Miller. That's that's most of what matters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's like some other people that played like characters that I mean, basically didn't even have fucking speaking parts. There's there's a couple that do, but not a lot. Uh so this is um based on a short story by Robert A. Heinlein. Um, and it's about a person outside of time that was, that is a loop in time. They are their own mother and father. Yeah. Uh, person born a hermaphrodite. Um, but they, the male organs were internal. Um, neither were fully developed came of age through an orphanage was uh recruited by an agency but she never found out what it was but then she got pregnant um and then the man disappeared she had the kid but when she had the kid the doctors found out that her uh sex organs were immature barely able to uh carry the baby to term and they were basically destroyed by carrying the baby to term so they reassigned her to the male sex organs that she had within. Um, which seems like they probably should have asked first, but you know, yeah, that's just how the story that. goes. Uh, yeah, well, say. take into the time period, and at the time she was a woman, so they didn't care that she had an opinion. Yeah, so that's then they true. made her a man. Because yeah. that was in the seven or 65 64 yeah 64 now, if we were going to talk about the years in the chronological order we should have took fucking notes <laughs> no yeah, she was born notes. in 1945 uh she meets herself in 1963 has the baby in 1964 um 
1970 is when the fizzle bomber starts to strike uh, through 1975. Oh, yes, I didn't Yeah, and you can only you can only time travel up to uh, 53 years from the zero point, which is in 1985. Yeah, so you can go back to like 1932, and you can go forward to I, I'm fucking up my math here uh 2038 2038 yeah so we're not out of the range of ethan hawk yet no which i'm happy about or the fizzle bomber same uh who's the same person yes which you don't find if like the uh, if you know the story which unfortunately Fortunately, unfortunately, this is how I found the movie. So fortunately, I guess um, <laughs> I had read the story a long time ago, and then um, the movie came out, and I was like, "Fuck!" And I watched it, and I was like, "It's still really good." But I made Russell watch it, and I don't know if I had told you the story beforehand or not. Yeah, I yeah, did. yeah, yeah. We, we, when we first became friends, you were like, "Have you ever read All You Zombies?" Yeah, and I was like, "What the fuck is that?" And then yeah. you send it to me because it's, okay. it's 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 like it's in the free domain or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's like posted on the internet everywhere. And then you send it to me, and then I read it. And we actually watched the movie for the first time together. Yes, we did. Yeah. Um. But and anyway, the, and the second time. Yeah, and the second time. Aw. So yeah, uh, must have been nice. Yeah. That's sweet. Uh, gets pregnant, has the kid, and then the kid is abdu- uh, abducted from the uh the maternity ward so then uh she becomes a man uh tries to get back into the agency that she was recruited for but couldn't do because they found out that she had both sex organs and it discredited her or disqualified her um but uh they're like no you can't and then mr miller the guy that originally recruited her um him I don't know. It's confusing because she changes. Yeah. Uh, and Miller? not of her. Robertson? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Mr. Robertson. Okay. Why did it say Mr. Miller? I don't know. It also made me feel weird. Yeah, it's Robertson. Who's Mr. Miller, Shane? No, it's it was in the cast. Oh, is it the guy that plays Robertson? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Mr. Robertson? Who the fuck is Miller? <laughs> Who the fuck is that? Did you watch the special edition? The <laughs> I special did. Edition one? <laughs> Where the fuck? There is absolutely no reason for this movie to have another version. Like uh, that'd fuck with our heads. Oh, there it is. Noah Taylor was Mr. Robertson. He was like way down, but he was, he's credited below blonde classmate. What? Yeah. That's fucked I don't up. know. He's very important to the movie. He but pissed anyway. off the director. Yeah, I guess. Or IMDb. I don't know who decides. Both. Anyway. Um, anyway, uh, he ends up getting recruited by himself in a bar, uh, but not knowing it and brought in. But first, he has to meet himself in the past and fall in love with himself as a girl and impregnate her and then lose her 
and it's basically like the life of uh the Ouroboros. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um eventually uh he is recruited and the old version of him um who got hit by the fizzle uh, explosion from the fizzle bomber has to change faces and that's why he doesn't recognize himself when he's the barkeep um and uh he goes after he, he's supposed to retire but his uh his violin case which is his time machine doesn't decommission and there, there's an error so then he is free to hunt the fizzle bomber still even though it like fucks with his head um so he finally comes across him and it's him only older and then he kills himself but not himself himself the other himself his old self <laughs> his old himself his older decrepit insane self with his mildly less old decrepit less insane self yeah 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 and that's that's the end of the movie good shit well, I, then he vows to never, even though he knows. Yeah, like, he knows that he's he going to become the fizzle bomber. He vows to not become yes. the fizzle bomber. Yes. But, like, he's standing there and he's like, damn it. I'm going to kill a bunch of people. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I better stop me, even though I know I can't. What? The- <laughs> <laughs> stop me. Uh, so, the thing that. I mean, beyond like having read the story and loving the story, the thing that I love the about this movie is is that even if you have read the story, there's literally hundreds, maybe not hundreds, at least like fifty in jokes in the whole movie that yeah. are basically like sort of uh foreshadowing that all these people are the same person but not really it's just like one-liners yeah like there's a song where he's like singing along and it says i'm my own grandpa uh there's like uh he there's a line where he says to himself that uh only a mother would recognize this face um Like all kinds of shit like that because he's his own mother. Like, there's he at because she's still broken from getting knocked up by herself. He asks, uh, what did he look like? And he's she says, they just had a face, face like yours, face like mine. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one was great. I loved that one. There's fucking shit tons of them it, like once you've once you know the story or you've watched the movie go ahead and go watch it again and you'll just be like it basically said that he was him and her and you know the kid and the fizzle bomber the whole fucking time yeah they were all the same person and they just kept saying it just kept saying it yeah without so saying it it's been a minute since i watched the actual story but the fizzle bomber thing is in the movie yes and it's not in the original story correct, correct. because it's more it's the story is more just about like Self uh, thinking about yeah thinking about like just being this thing that like is a circle like yeah. you you aren't you don't have a future or a past you are like a you're just like a loop yeah um so i i I prepared a little bio piece should i go ahead and do this 
where we're at? Sure. Um, so I prepared a little bio piece about Robert A. Heinlein. Uh, the A stands for Anson. Robert was an aeronautical engineer and a naval officer, as well as a science fiction writer. He was born in 1907 and died in 1988. On occasion, he is referred to as the Dean of Science Fiction Writers. You might not have heard his name before, but you definitely know his work. Uh, the story about a future society ruled by a human interstellar government dominated by a military elite referred to as the Terran Federation, following mobile infantryman Johnny Rico as he progresses through the ranks of a futuristic military against the backdrop of an interstellar war between humans and an alien species known as arachnids or bugs. Starship Troopers was published November 5th, 1959 and won a Hugo Award for the Best Novel in 1960. It was also the first science fiction novel to be listed on the New York Times bestseller. The story would go on to inspire a movie of the same name, and unknown to myself until the time of this writing, it also inspired one of the most popular video game series of all time, Halo. Yeah. Oh. Which they, they attribute, like, I found that, and I was like, I mean, I always saw the parallels between yeah. the movie and the series, but I didn't realize, like... It was directly related? Yeah, the yeah. Uh, Halo itself is actually a closer adaptation of the novel than what Starship Troopers the movie is, is what I read. Oh, okay. Cool. So, um, on June 1st, 1961, Heinlein published the deliberately controversial Stranger in a Strange Land. Despite being blacklisted in schools for its free love and commune living aspects of the Church of All Worlds. Hold on. Let me explain CAW and Church of All Worlds. In the book, Stranger in a Strange Land, the protagonist goes on to start a kind of neo-pagan church. Well, later that year, a group of friends, lovers, and assumed sexual socialites formed the actual real-world version of the Church of All Worlds. And in 1968, just seven years after the book's release, the church was fully chartered, making it the first Earth religion to obtain full recognition from the United States as a church. As of this recording, it still exists as a 501c3 with global interest and memberships. Yeah. What the fuck, right? What? Yeah. Stranger in a Strange Land inspired an actual church. Huh. Okay. Yeah. What? I just, like, this guy, like, I didn't even, I, until I started, like, doing this research, I didn't realize he, I had always heard Stranger in a Strange Land, yeah. but I hadn't ever really, I didn't realize he wrote this, mm -hmm. and then I didn't realize, I didn't realize how big a deal this guy was to the science fiction, uh, like, literary society yeah. that he is, because I just, like... He's one of the early names that you come across. That if you you're come across up the history of science fiction, yeah, yeah. But you don't you don't realize the influence until later. That's um, awesome. Anyway, so even after being blacklisted, Stranger in a Strange Land went on to win the Hugo Award for Best Novel in 1962. And in 2012, the Library of Congress placed it on a list as one of 88 books that shaped America. But today, huh. we watched a movie named Predestination. It's based on one of Robert A. Howland's short stories called All You Zombies. The story was written in a single day 
and published in March of 1959. It debuted in the March issue of Fantasy and Science Fiction magazine only after being rejected by Playboy. <laughs> this... <laughs> The story involves a number of paradoxes caused by time travel. And later, after this episode is over, I'm going to do a sexy time reading of it for you. A sexy time reading? Yeah. I mean, I'm already not wearing pants, but I'll take my shirt off too. Oh, God. I got to stick around for that. Nipples. I'm I'm aroused. You should be. (laughs) Uh, So, this movie... Uh, I don't know. Like, it's really good. I love the story. Um, I love the way that this particular movie was written. Uh, because yes. I mean, yeah, like you can have a. We've seen it a billion times. You know, a movie is made out about a story or a comic book or a video game that or whatever that has a good story, and they just fail to adapt it. Yeah. Uh I think this was adapted very well. Um especially like I was talking about it it has references to itself. Um yeah. the on my own grandpa, the uh he actually says the title of it um of the short story, which I mean they do in he does in the short story too, but yeah. Uh in a different part. Um all that was done very well. Um, and it, it's like the, this being an adaptation of the story is very similar to like how good this was done is very similar to when you, when you talk about a play being adapted to a movie. Yeah. Because like every word from the short story is in there. Yeah. And then they did take, they did take a, a Liberty. A, yeah. A, liberty. a few, a few liberties, but the liberties they did take made sense and were good. Yeah. And, like, adding to the story, like, adding the whole Fizzlebomber arc to the story, and, like, being able to maintain the same story yes, with just adding that. Yeah, and they is... didn't try to turn it into, like, an action movie. It was no. just, like, a little extra thing to be like, we know you read the story, but, hey, there's this other thing. You'll yeah. never guess who it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was Robertson the whole time. <laughs> yeah, right. Um yeah, I don't... I mean, we're going to jerk this movie off. I, I do have... Do you have any complaints, <laughs> No, Dave? I was no? just going to give a little more insight in my... Yeah, from, yeah, from my yeah, because you, you didn't read the story first, right? No, I have okay. not read the story. I didn't know there was a story until this. I had no idea what this movie was about. They're just like, watch this, Dave. And I'm like, okay, I follow stuff. <laughs> not all the time. I'm too punk rock to follow all the time. Yeah, but uh, I really, really dug it. Yeah, I didn't even know a story till you turned this podcast on. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was blown away. First, I'm like, this doesn't seem very cyberpunk. I'm like, but I was like sucked in. I was watching it like on my phone and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I gotta, I had to switch to my TV. Yeah, you're like, this is not working. I, I'm way too into this to watch it on my phone. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, really dug it. I thought the writing was great. Based now, I know why. Right, right. It was great. Acting was good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any complaints. I I had a little bit of problem with some of the acting, but it, I mean, there's a lot of kid acting at, towards the beginning, and that wasn't actually that bad. Um, there was some of... Uh, 
some of I can't remember what the girl's name is. Uh, Jane. No, the actress. Sarah. Yeah, Sarah Snook. So when she was playing, when she was playing the male version after the birth. It was kind of awkward, but it also is supposed to be awkward. But I also feel like the acting was kind of weird. Like, so that's what I meant when I said it was like transposed into a play. Because, so I, yeah, let's, let's talk about this very specifically. Okay. When they are in the bar. Yes. And that's what you're talking about, right? Yes. Like all of the scenes were there. It feels like I, it felt to me like I was watching a play more than like I was watching a movie. Yeah. Because Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that works very well into a play, right? Because you have you yeah. have a set you have two sets on your stage, right? You have the characters that are narrating and asking the questions about the story, and it's the whole story is basically a flashback until like the last third, right? Yeah. Act three basically is when you catch up to current time in quotes, which isn't a thing in this. Uh, but but when when like stuff starts happening instead of them talking about it happening, right? Yeah. Uh so everything before that is like a play where you have two sets on the stage and one is dark all the time and while the other one is happening and it's like, okay, we're gonna start talking about this thing and the narration is gonna cover carry over while it fades to black yeah. and we come the curtain rises on the other s- scene. And then when that scene is over, it'll fade to black and it'll come back up on the bar scene and while they change this set over here. Um, And that's basically how the whole first two-thirds of the movie plays out. Yeah. Right? Um, And yeah, it does translate very well into a play, which is also a funny thing, you know, because women played men in plays, you know. Right. And and still do. Uh, So, I mean, yes, that, that... uh brings an interesting point to it i just i don't know i just thought it was she was much better at playing the character when she was in her own skin and then when she was trying to play the same character but like different Mm -hmm. it didn't come across to me so yeah, okay. but I don't know if that was intentionally the awkwardness yeah. of the character. See, I think, I think, I think it's that intentional. Is, yeah, I, I, took, I took that as what I, I was gonna let you go ahead. No, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I felt like I was talking over you. No, no, no I was just saying that's that's what I was yeah, like. How you took, took that it. as? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, it was I, awkward. Yeah, I also thought it was deliberate. Yeah, um, because she doesn't. Because the other thing, like with that same point, like you can see her acting change as that character after she figures out she's the heartbreaker after she figures out she's the one that yeah, broke her own right, heart. Right, right. And like, even after, even though like she doesn't have a lot of room after that happens. Cause she's there's like, like no speaking for that character after that. Yeah. Happens. There's not a whole lot. Um, she's got like three lines maybe. And if that's that... her being upset while she's pointing the gun at, Oh no! Ethan I mean, Hoff. like after that, after that scene, oh, after, after she finds scene. out that she's the heartbreaker, and like that's the end of that. Yeah, like she has no speaking lines whatsoever yeah, after yeah, that. It's just a does. bunch of like shots of her in the uh, the bureau, the TRB or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. So, but that that interaction between her and Ethan Hawke at, when she's pointing the gun at him is yeah. much more genuine, I think, and I and yeah. I think it was deliberate because of that, because like. 
her acting in, as that character changes because now that character knows who she yeah. is. She knows who he is. So maybe it was maybe it was better acting then because like if you think about it, it also changed as he got drunk. Yeah, because like at the beginning of him talking to Ethan Hawke's character, same yeah. character. God damn it, uh, John <laughs> talking to John, uh, John closer to being Jane talking to John closer to being the Fizzle Bomber. Uh, <laughs> he was John closer to being Jane was still trying to act like a guy, where the other John was way more used to being a guy. Yeah, because he was much older. Yeah, and like there are there there's also pieces where so Ethan Hawke like I mean we've discussed this before yep. right he's an amazing fucking actor yeah like he doesn't get enough like I mean maybe he does like maybe he's happy with the amount of work he has but like he is just it's because he's a character he can be a character actor and he can also just be a guy in a movie yeah like yeah. he doesn't have to be some you know, strange, weird character to get into. Right. Like he can be, and we see all of that in this movie. We see, right? And he has. He also adds all these slight feminine uh, yes. mannerisms to the character, yes. which is fucking wonderful. Like how he's standing when he's getting dressed and shit. I was just like, yeah, that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like holy shit. Yeah, I guess I didn't notice that. Huh. Might yeah. rewatch so, this. So here's the yeah. thing. Yeah, here's the thing, Dave. You've only seen this movie one time. Correct. And that's not enough. Apparently not. Because like, and maybe you're recalling like some of the in jokes, but like this, it's it's funny watching it and knowing knowing everything about it. Like, it's also funny, but not funny like the same way a comedy is funny. Right. Just like like witty. Like it's it's a fucking witty movie. <laughs> yeah. So, to just constantly be like, they yeah. keep going back to it. <laughs> Look at that. They said it again. Oh shit! Like the whole fucking movie. Huh? Maybe I will. I will have to watch this again. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think you do. I, you know, just for pleasure. Yeah. You know, watch it again. I only watch things for pleasure, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, Go into the future, become a woman, come back, and pleasure yourself. No thanks. <laughs> but I'm not going to say no. Maybe. So 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 <laughs> I don't like, know what happens. <laughs> yeah, so that just like ah dude, I fucking uh this might be one of the best movies ever made. I really mm. dug it. Like I said earlier, I had no idea what to expect. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, sweet Ethan Hawke." Yeah, and then you were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and it's like, a gym ethan hawk yeah yeah i feel this movie is a gym because it's not a huge movie no like oh no no but everyone should see this movie yeah i don't remember i think it was like a random thread on some forum or like an article somewhere that got shared and it was like they're making a movie about a this short story and i was like what short story and i was like holy shit i read that yeah. Holy shit. That movie's gonna be nuts. I seen the I remember seeing the trailer 
Um, cause I watch, I just like sit and like scroll through and watch yeah. trailers. And ever since I've been able to do that, I've done it. I remember like being 16 on the family computer, uh, using the trailer tab to hide the porn I was watching. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, yep. I remember just get, sitting at the computer watching hours of trailers specifically, uh, Yahoo used to have a page that had, uh, Marvel updates. And you, it would list what Marvel movies were coming out before the MCU, before the MCU was ever a thing. Like back in like 2003, 2004, when we were still hoping to get some crossovers. Yeah, um, but you were still getting like X-Men and yeah, X-Men, the original Ghost Spider-Man Rider, movies. Spider-Man, Rider, yeah. uh, Fantastic Four stuff. Like, you know, we, we were happy with what we were getting at the time. But... Uh, I just have always watched trailers, and I remember, I'm pretty sure the Predestination trailer was on, uh, I think it was on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And I, I, I was like, oh, I love Ethan Hawke, because I've always, always had a soft spot for Ethan Hawke. And Thank you, Ethan. It's really a hard spot. Oh! It's not even like that, dude. It's just like a, I fucking appreciate this guy. Not like I... I he doesn't don't, get me hard, but yeah. like... No, nah, it's not like a weird, like, pseudo-crush no, thing. No, like I know. Downey I'm Jr. just giving you shit. Uh, no, I know. I just want to express the difference between, like, yeah, the, you, being you in love with another man. Respect, yeah, and completely <laughs> respect this guy's work, his body of work, and yeah. you think that it's not, uh, he's not given enough credit, versus, like, you would straight up fuck Robert Downey. Yeah. 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 This guy, you'd be like, hey, man, it's really good to meet you, and then Robert Downey would be like... <laughs> Yeah, see, if I met Whoa. Robert Downey and he was like, yo, can I get, like, a hand job?" I'd probably be like, okay, I expected that. But if I met Ethan Hawke and he was like, yo, you like that a lot? Can I get a hand job?" I would be very disappointed. <laughs> like, I, I had more respect for you than that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still gonna do it, but... <laughs> I'm not gonna spit on my hand first. <laughs> We're not making eye contact. I'll lick the palm if you're lucky. Uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> a lot of hand job talk in this episode. Yeah. It's not. I'm just. I'm not talking about jerking myself off this time. Or jerking someone else off. That's there's a lot totally of uh, a lot of jerking it on this podcast. I've noticed. Yeah, well. <laughs> I do wonder if the term jerking off. If you haven't heard the term a lot, if it's jarring the same way that the word fuck is to Christians. Moist. Ugh. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I just like saying it once in a while, just to see who fucking cringes. <laughs> uh, slacks is a weird word that some people slacks. don't like that weird me out that they don't like it. Yeah. Slacks. There's a lot of weird words like that. But moist slacks. Oh, uh, I'm not mm, about that. No. You fucked up. Hate that. <laughs> you me. fucked up if you got moist slacks. Yeah. It reminds me of church. What the fuck? Uh, so- <laughs> A lot of moist slacks in church. Let what me tell you. the fuck? Uh, so let's, well, let's go ahead and take a break discuss, here. Let's go smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Russell's got to have a therapy session real quick. <laughs> Some repressed memories, I think. So you at church with the pastor the other day? Um. That bright needs cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. Okay, leave it. Uh, 
So let's let's get deep. All right, let's let's discuss some of the philosophy behind. Wait, I thought you were gonna talk about your moist slacks at church. Oh no, I don't actually want to talk about that in public. Uh, okay, oh, we're not on a public forum. <laughs> Oh my god. All right. I didn't say they were my moist slacks. Oh, That's why no. I don't want to talk about it. My pants got Fucking. moist today, but I was in the rain. Yeah. Mm. Congrats. Thanks. It wasn't that fun. I shouldn't have brought it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So deep philosophy. Yeah. Um so there's a lot of philosophical elements to the story yeah. in the movie. Um, right. Uh, so you got like a whole... So we already mentioned the Ouroboros and it's mentioned in the story. Yes. Because he even says he... Like even, a snake eating itself. Like yes. a snake's eating itself. Uh, which is actually like is one of my favorite symbols because that's, that's how I think of time. Mm. As, you know, it's kind of... And, and this is the kind of time travel that I like where like the thing always happened. Yeah. Like... Because, like, when you start getting into changing the events of something, like, it's hard for them to keep things lined up. And I know everyone wants to talk about Back to the Future time travel, but if time travel was real, that's not how it would work, I wouldn't think. I think it would be more so, like, this thing happened because the thing always happened. It would either be this or it would be endgame time travel. One or the other. Yeah, split timelines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> the Ouroboros <laughs> keep looking at Dave and he's just like, what? Look, at <laughs> I don't you Shane switch seats. <laughs> I wasn't going to address this, but Shane switched seats. So now it's like I'm watching a tennis match. <laughs> and this whole episode, I've been trying to find a comfortable place to sit. I can he's look the at line both of judge. you. <laughs> I, I, I think you should sit on Shane's lap. All right, let's do that. All right, because then you'll hear him right in your ear, and you can just stare at me the whole time. We just need to get <laughs> like him that. like the judge's perch, like get like a little <laughs> fucking uh, like lifeguard tower over in on this side of the room that he can sit up on the top of, and then we can yell at him. <laughs> and I'll yeah. just race cards up. Like, that was perfectly fair. <laughs> the fuck is your problem? So I do it. It it it's an interesting thing that we have encountered a lot since we have started doing podcasts is the seating arrangement 100% matters. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Yeah, it does. It's throwing me off. I keep looking at this chair next, like right next across from me. It's not Shane. That's Robert A. Highland. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what's up, buddy? The A stands for Anson, which I thought was funny and neither well, of you laughed at. Why do you keep, I don't, uh, why is it funny? I don't know. I just think that it's funny. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> still not funny. <laughs> my humor is very specific and to just you yes to just me. <laughs> you know what russell i appreciate it i appreciate it thanks dave i, I even left like a whole four second pause after i said it i, I know just read you said it and i was just like <laughs> cool what <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh fuck yeah dude I that. I'm sorry can we, can we go back and do it again I'll do it Moment's over Oh fuck uh... <laughs> So 
the Ouroboros and time travel and all these things. Yes. And then there's also this uh, solipsistic solipsism like, idea in the in in the story too. Yeah. So like as this character, like he and he that that's what I think he's getting at when he says, uh, "I know where I come from, but but yeah. what about all these zombies? zombies?" Yeah. And like that that line, like when I read this, like hit me. And I also want to bring up a particular time that you and I got drunk, Shane. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> Wait, which time? Oh, I'm mildly concerned. <laughs> the other time, not that time. Okay. Um, oh, no, let's talk, let's talk about that one, too. <laughs> nope, we don't talk about that one. Nope. Uh, <laughs> that is not podcast material. Well, we'll turn it off. <laughs> it's off now. <laughs> so... Um, it, you know, solipsism is the is the idea that you you can't discredit that you're not the only one that exists, or that you're the only one that exists. So, like, the ev- Shane and I are figments of your imagination, Dave. Everything yeah. around Uh-oh. you is created in your head, and you are the only actual person that exists, and you can't disprove that. Yeah, that's it's true. You're freaking me out. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this this actually leads to like psychological problems with like people, and like you, you, the internet is full of talking about narcissism and like narcissistic people are pieces of shit. And while that is like mostly a true statement, there is usually a deeper issue with people who are narcissistic, and it does play yeah. a part into the solipsism because like if your actions uh don't truly affect like if your your actions affect zombies but like you don't feel any certain way toward those zombies because they're just zombies you're only concerned about yourself there's also an air of solipsism in that yeah yeah basically uh like you never if you if you're the only person that's real, then you're the only person that matters, which is like the narcissism, right? Right. Uh, and then, you know, you only uh, care about furthering yourself or taking taking care of yourself or putting yourself in a, a good position and like fuck everyone else, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of where like when you see people talking about slipsism, they're just like, oh, you're just being narcissistic or whatever. But it's not, it's not about that. It's not about just like a lack of empathy or a lack of sympathy. It's more about like, uh, just like the, your own incapability of actually knowing of, uh, other existences. Right, okay, right. Because like I can't see what's going on in your head, so that there's no proof that there is anything going on in your head. You know, there's there's it's not. But Schrodinger's right. head. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say you don't want to be in this head, but all right. Yeah, but you know, you you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Um. So like you know, there's it's it's kind of like saying there's no mathematical proof that it's not a simulation, right? True. So like this could all be ones and zeros. We're in the fucking matrix. Just the first one, hopefully. Um, and- <laughs> so you're going to give me PTSD. Let's not talk about that. Uh, just think about the woman in red. Um, but, uh, like, th- it's the same thing with solipsism. Like, but uh, 
it, honestly, it can be taken too far, just like any other thing. If if you're like legitimately believe it, um, and then like use it as an excuse to do things or you know be a certain way in your personal life or whatever, um, you know, like you treat uh the opposite sex or you know whatever who people you're in relationships with uh like shit because you're the only one that exists so right. you just take what you want from them who cares you don't care and you're the only one that has feelings so fuck them yeah. uh but you you can also say like that uh that if you're the only one that exists then uh, if I'm the only one that exists then Russell is a part of me because huh the egg. Yeah. 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 Russell is a part of me. Dave, you're a part of me. Nathan's a part of me. Like, so why would I treat those things that are a part of me like shit? Um, yeah, and that's Russell. like a different way of looking at it. There's like, a just like everything else, there's a lot of different ways to take it and look at it. Right. But like, it's, it, it's interesting in this movie because it's like, it is almost like they're the only characters that exist, but it also kind of leads me to believe in, in uh, that it's something in the at least the movie. I don't remember if uh uh Mr. Robertson's in the story. Is he in the story? I don't think Ooh. so. Mr. Robertson? I don't remember. I don't think he is. But, but I don't think the Space Academy stuff is in the story. I, I don't either. I don't think any of that is. I think it's very much like a distilled basic version of what the movie is. But stay tuned and you'll find yeah, out you'll find for out. Shane's reading. Super uh, sexy reading. Yeah. Uh sexy time reading. But oh. anyway, um the the existence of Mr. Robertson, where he is he is like almost a curator and a facilitator of the character existing while not being the, the character itself. Like everything else that's done in the movie is done by the character, except for what Mr. Robertson does. Right? Right. So it it leads me to draw it more to a uh Something I read, I don't remember what um, religion it's from, but it's basically like, you are everyone that exists in your universe, okay? And it's sort of like reincarnation. Every time you die, you, you are born, but like in a different time. You move through time, you move through other uh, organisms' existence and stuff, and you are everything that has ever lived, okay? Okay. Um, and, but then when you die for real and like learn the lesson that you need to learn there's someone there and basically they're the god of your universe and they tell you like you've ascended you've figured out the lesson you know what you're doing now go ahead and you're like what what am i supposed to do you become that person that That person person moves on yeah so then you're basically bringing a new life form in and they become a new universe and so like that's kind of that that is sort of where I see this story going, right? Because like, yeah, uh, Jane and John are going through this cycle over and over again, and it like seems like there might be little subtle differences every time, because like like he says earlier in the movie, he changes the day of when it happens in nineteen the last bombing in nineteen seventy five. Yeah, he changes it every time. And there's no evidence that uh, the fizzle bomber dies from a shooting. Like, then they never know that until he does it. So, like, it seems to me that there's, like, little subtle differences every time 
right? Because yeah. you can't, you can maybe you can change the small things, but you can't change the big things until you figure something important out, right? Yeah. Um. So, like, you know, you go through a hundred iterations of the same story, and you know, nothing ever changes. It brings me back to Supernatural until that guy. 975 Tuesdays and that guy always has maple syrup. Today he had strawberry. What's different? You know, you you finally learn the difference and then you move on. Yeah. So I I, I don't know if that's really where it was going and like the movie was a little bit different than the the short story but is it a thought? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's I I mean, it's a solid thought like uh, out of all the things that can be said about this movie, this movie is extremely thought-provoking. Yes. Yes, it is. I was thinking. Oh, yeah. I thought about it. Me, Dave. I thought about stuff. Yeah, thoughts. <laughs> Good I job, thoughts. Dave. You're not going to share them. You're just going to tell us that you had some? Yeah, I had some. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, buddy. No, like, everything you're saying makes a whole lot of sense, yeah. and I that's why I kind of want to rewatch this movie now yeah. to pick that up a little more. Yeah. Because I kind of figured it out. I wouldn't say halfway through I figured it out, but I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's Jane, John, where's Ethan Hawke come into this? And then, like, towards the end, I'm like, ah, clicked. Yeah. And right, <laughs> right, before, right before the fizzle bomber turned around, I'm like, that's going to be him. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You know who she is. You know who you are. Maybe now you're ready to understand who I am. Yep. I love this fucking movie. Dialogue's so good. Yeah. Do we yes. want to do, we wanna do uh, Trivia Corner before we rate it? Yeah, I think so. Oh, you guys want to come to my corner? Yeah, yeah. let's go to your Did corner. Dave, Trivia Corner? Hang out yeah. in your corner. Yeah. Hopefully the cops won't come by this time. Last That'd time nice. I was there, they thought we were doing something that we weren't. Well, when you yeah. show up and there's three to five grown men all with their pants off, you're not really sure probably what's going on. Holding microphones. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, microphones. <laughs> y- yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Dave's Trivia Corner, where my goal is to make you go, huh, neat. <laughs> so far, no one's done that, but it'll happen. It'll happen. Eventually. So these aren't be as cool anymore, <laughs> since everyone knows stuff. Well, uh, when the barkeep sits down at the typewriter for the first time, there's a copy of Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert A. Heinlein next to the typewriter. Heinlein is the author of the short story, All You Zombies, on which the movie is based. Yep. But we know that. Yeah. Uh, when Ethan Hawke looks at his watch, eight minutes, 18 seconds in, his real birthday is shown. Ha. <laughs> That's cool. Damn it. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Huh. Neat. Yeah! <laughs> I'm done. I have ascended. Okay. Uh, well, I've got a couple more. Okay. And I lost it. Yeah, we lost <laughs> I lost it. He met his life goal, and now <laughs> he's lost his place. Oh, the picture of the Crosby Shoes building in the beginning of the movie is actually a picture of the exploded reactor number four from the Chernobyl power plant, which erupted on 26 April 1986. Huh. Huh. Okay. Neat. Yes! (laughs) That was Dave's Trivia Corner. (laughs) (laughs) I got more if you want. We can still stay on this corner if you want. It's kind of rainy. You said you had a couple more and you just did one, so at least do one more. Just a couple. Okay. Noah Taylor's first appearance as the supervisor of a time traveler. 
He played similar roles as tech support Edmund Ventura in Vanilla Sky and Dr. Carter in Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, fuck. What? Is that what we're doing next? I mean, we can. Did Dave's trivia quarter mean something? Did it get to something? <laughs> Did it lead us to this guy being the handler of a time traveler in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you seen Edge of Tomorrow? No. Oh, fuck. Oh, I don't think I, I have either. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry, I was channeling my squirrely Dan. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Well, I made it weird. <laughs> <laughs> Especially on my corner. A little call and reply there for you. <laughs> wow. All right, let's do ratings, I guess. Uh, <laughs> That's good. I'm getting dry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a nine. Uh, I think this is a really good movie. Um, I think it could be better if I don't know. I mean, this it's just not. It's not perfect. Like it's really fucking good, but it's just not perfect. So I'm going to give it a nine. There's like little bits and pieces where it's just like, eh, okay. Where it could have been better. Hmm. Some like makeup was bad. Hmm. Ethan Hawke wasn't bad though. Ethan no, Hawke was great. Ethan Hawke was amazing. He's always amazing. Thank you, Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Friend of the show. But, yeah. Friend of the show. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> we don't know that. Well, we don't. <laughs> Ethan Hawk, be friends with us, please. Uh, email us, please. Yeah, email us. Don't. DraftEQ at gmail.com. <laughs> DraftEQ at gmail.com. Don't ask us for hand jobs is not in the email address, but please don't send that. <laughs> That's a different email address. That's a different email. <laughs> that is also my email, but don't use it. Uh don't ask for handjobs at gmail.com. I wonder if that's available. <laughs> Let me look it up. <laughs> uh, Russell, what are you giving this movie? I disagree with you, Shane. You think um, it's perfect? I, I think it's as good as, uh, as, as it could be. I mean, honestly, like, it's not a 10 no. because I don't give anything a 10. It's a 9.9. It is. After rewatching it this time, it is in my top five favorite movies, or what I think is the top five best movies. Because like I don't know how many times I can watch this movie. I feel like I can watch this movie probably another six, seven, eight, twenty-seven times. But I don't know if that's true. And this is, I think, only the third time I've seen it. Maybe second time, second or third time. But there's there's so much about this movie that is. That is what I love about watching a movie. So there's so many little things that Ethan Hawke has before you discover they're the same person that gives the whole story away. Yeah. He has the exact same lighter she has when hers won't work. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, him. He's John at that point. Yeah. But um, when, lighter, when the lighter won't work, he pulls out the exact same lighter and lights her cigarette. And there's a couple more instances while they're in the bar 
of things like that. Mm. And I also think, so she asks for, so the, uh, the other thing that I, that I super appreciated was the bottle that he sits down when she asks for, uh, it's called dirty underwear, yeah. which is underwear, dirty Old underwear. underwear. Old, Old underwear. underwear. Yeah, you never see the label. You, you don't see the label on the bottle. But when he... I think it's Duars. He gets a bottle of Duars when he bets her a full bottle. Yeah. And then later, he goes back and gets that same bottle from the bar. Mm-hmm. So, because... Either way, he was winning the bottle. Yeah. And then he goes and he drinks the bottle. So, to, to me, a, a small interpretation is that at some point in time, he decides that he prefers Duars over old underwear, which is why he is it supposed to be old granddad. I don't know. Maybe because there's no, there's not an alcohol called old underwear. Obviously, <laughs> I'm not even sure so who well. would drink that. <laughs> I mean, there might be like some ironic hipster IPA that's called old underwear but yeah um probably but so there's probably juicy there's so many little things about the movie that I think makes it makes it just so damn great yeah and like Ethan Hawke doing the feminine mannerisms yeah uh, was one of them that I I wanted to highlight um it's you know it's thought-provoking it's philosophical at the same time though if you just wanted a movie that was gonna fucking twist your mind but not make you think, like this will also do it. Yeah, you can like, you, you don't can have it. to sit there and deep dive into every piece of dialogue or every philosophical yeah. element that it presents. Like you can just be like, Oh shit. He fucked himself. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing I thought. Like, ah, is that masturbation? Is that what's what tonight? Yeah, so, like, uh, like it's so layered that like you can enjoy this movie at any fucking level. And I just I gotta give it nine point nine. Like I have no problem with this movie. There's not a single thing I could change. This is the type of thing that I look at and be like, I wish I would have wrote that. I wish I would have done that interpretation. Not this is what I would have done different. It's I I wish I would have just made this. I wish I would have just done this thing exactly like they did it. And so I could be like look at it and be like, oh, this is my baby. But I can't. So I have to enjoy it from the outside perspective. So I didn't do it. So it doesn't get a ten. It gets nine point nine. Whoa. All right. Okay. <laughs> Dave. Before I give my rating, I just wanna say I can feel Russell's love for this movie. Yeah. And Dude, it's, it's, it's real. nice. It's, it's nice. Real. I think there's some on my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, there definitely is. <laughs> no, but I, I like that. Like I, I can feel his love for this movie, which makes me want to watch it again. Yeah. So my rating is going to be an 8.5. Okay. With the intention of me watching it again to give, probably give it a higher score. Okay. I, I really dug it. Like I said, I had no idea what to expect. And I like threw it on like, oh, I got to watch this for the show. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? All right, yeah. all right. And then, yeah, the dialogue was great. The time travel, I'm not a huge time travel guy. Yeah. Except for Back to the Future Part 2 and Part 1. Those are good. But yeah. other than that, I'm not a big time travel guy. Like, just a lot of times, most stories just use time travel to solve problems. 
Like, uh, what's wrong with this plot hole? Uh, time travel. Yeah. So, yeah. I but, mean, it became a meme, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, 8.5 with the potential of a higher score once I watch it again. Yeah. I mean, like, I would I would 100% give this a pass, though, since the story was written in the 50s. Yes. On time travel, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is, like, the, well, this is, I mean, this might be. The time travel story? Yeah, this might be the time travel story. This predates Doctor Who. Yeah. Like the story does by about five years. Uh I don't know when was when was the time machine, Russell? Let's find out. God dang it. Fuck HG Wells. I feel like that was probably first. I think so too. I think so. I want to say like thirties or something. But I'm not I'm not 100% 100% on that. Do, do, do. Uh. 1895. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. it was only 40 years off. Yeah. So this is maybe the so, second time. <laughs> but there's also... Yeah. I mean... The time, the time machine, though, also doesn't really... From what I remember, it doesn't... Like, explain the consequences of time. I have no idea. Time travel. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it just is like, hey, a time machine and time travel. I think I've just watched like stuff. a couple of shitty movies about the time machine. It's been so long since I read the book in high school. I, I don't even, I barely remember it. Hmm. Yeah. We're, we're a movie podcast. Um, occasionally we, podcast. occasionally we have read a short story or two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Does it have pictures? <laughs> We've read it. <laughs> Half of it. Uh, but yeah. I just flipped through it and looked at the pictures. That's what I do. So, okay, here's the plan, kids. We're going to start a new format for the show. I mean, it's the same old format. We're still going to be talking about movies and movie news and stuff like that. But we're going to, for season three, we're going to start... Um, Watching more new movies that come out uh, that we're interested in, and we're not just gonna watch any old crap. But I mean, it'd probably be crap, but that's fine. Because say <laughs> I'm on the show, shit happens. Um, but <laughs> yes, we there might be some B movies in there. Like I just found this in the fucking dollar bin at Family Express or whatever. Like let's watch <laughs> it. I don't even know if they still sell movies at Family Express. Can we please? <laughs> I got really excited. <laughs> we do that? Uh, but but we're gonna watch uh uh if there's movies that directly have to do with it, we'll probably watch some of those. Uh unless we've already done them. We might still do them. It depends. because uh, I know we got some Marvel movies coming up or we might talk about the shows on Disney Plus. We haven't figured that out yet. But yeah. other otherwise, if it's just a standalone movie, we'll find something that fits a theme of it, whether like uh it's a zombie movie, so we watch some other zombie movies. It's a time time travel movie, we watch some other time travel movies. It's got this guy in it, we watch some of his other movies. We'll you know, but we're not gonna do a, a like we have with Cyberpunk where we do like six months of it. We're gonna do maybe a month, maybe three or four episodes. Um, so that's how we're gonna do it going forward until we get tired of that and start doing year long themed <laughs> podcasts again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we do Cronenberg movies, we should do that for a whole year. <laughs> yes. 
I want to watch The Fly every time. Yeah, every week. Cr- is that a Cronenberg movie? Yeah. My favorite Cronenberg movie. Oh, I have seen a Cronenberg movie. It's my favorite one. Hmm. Scanners is good, too. Scanners is, too? Yeah. I'm on a movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome so, back, Russell. <laughs> so video this, is the, this is who d- did these movies. I'm like, what? I actually haven't seen uh, either of those, I don't think. And uh, really? like, I'm also on a movie podcast, but at least I knew they were Cronenberg movies. <laughs> Thanks for listening to DQP Does, where we went over predestination. Go ahead and uh, shoot us some feedback over at draftyq at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to do something. We'll let you know on our Facebook. Go ahead and follow us on there. And you'll find out what we're going to watch, what we're going to talk about in the next show. Because yeah. I don't know when this is coming out. I'm <laughs> super confused right now. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Thanks for listening. All You Zombies by Robert A. Heinlein. The A stands for Anson. Four seconds for applause. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. That joke only makes sense if you actually listen to the podcast, which I don't know why you would have skipped forward to listen to this story. So I'm just going to go ahead and start reading. Twenty-two seventeen, Time Zone V, Eastern Standard, 7th of November, 1970, NTC, Pops Place. I was polishing a brandy snifter when the unmarried mother came in. I noted the time, 10.17 p.m., Zone 5, or Eastern Time. November 7th, 1970. Temporal agents always notice time and date. We must. The unmarried mother was a man, 25 years old, no taller than I am, childless features, and a touchy temper. I didn't like his looks. I never had. But he was a lad I was there to recruit. He was my boy. I gave him my best barkeep smile. Maybe I'm too critical. He wasn't Swish. His nickname came from what he always said when some nosy type asked him his line, I'm an unmarried mother. If he felt less than murderous, he would add, at four cents a word, I write confession stories. If he felt nasty, he would wait for somebody to make something of it. He had a lethal style of infighting like a female cop. Reason I wanted him. Not the only one. He had a load on, and his face showed that he despised people more than usual. Silently, I poured a double shot of old underwear and left the bottle. He drank it, poured another. I wiped the bar top. How's the unmarried mother racket? His fingers tightened on the glass, and he seemed to be about to throw it at me. I felt for the sap under the bar. In temporal manipulation, you try to figure everything. But there are so many factors that you never take needless risks. I saw him relax that tiny amount they teach you to watch for in the Bureau's training school. Sorry, I said, just asking, how's business? Make it, how's the weather? He looked sour. Business is okay. I ride them, they print them, I eat. I poured myself one, leaned toward him. Matter of fact, I said, you ride a nice stick. I've sampled a few. 
You have an amazingly sure touch with the women's angle. It was a slip I had to risk. He never admitted what pen names he used, but he was boiled enough to pick up on only the last. Woman's angle? He repeated with a snort. Yeah, I know the woman's angle. I should. So? I said doubtfully, sisters? No, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Now, now, I answered mildly. Bartenders and psychiatrists learn that nothing is stranger than the truth. Why, son, if you heard the stories I do, well, you'd make yourself rich. Incredible. You don't know what incredible means. So? Nothing astonishes me. I've always heard worse. He snorted again. Want to bet the rest of that bottle? I'll bet a full bottle. I placed one on the bar. Well, I signaled my other bartender to handle the trade. We were at the far end, a single stool space that I kept private by loading the bar top by it with jars of pickled eggs and other clutter. A few were at the other end watching the fights and somebody was playing a jukebox. Private as a bed where we were. Okay, he began. To start with, I'm a bastard. No distinction around here, I said. I mean it, he snapped. My parents weren't married. Still no distinction, I insisted. Neither were mine. When he stopped, gave me the first warm look I ever saw on him. You mean that? I do. 100% bastard, in fact. I added, no one in my family ever marries. All bastards. Oh, that? I showed it to him. It just looks like a wedding ring. I wear it to keep women off. It's an antique I bought in 1985 from a fellow operative. He had fetched it from pre-Christian Crete, the worm Ouroboros, the world snake that eats its own tail, forever without end, a symbol of the great paradox. He barely glanced at it. If you're really a bastard, you know how it feels. When I was a little girl, whoops, I said, did I hear you correctly? Who's telling this story? When I was a little girl, look, ever heard of Christian Jorgensen or Roberta Cowell? Uh, sex change cases? You're trying to tell me? Don't interrupt or swell me. I won't talk. I was a foundling, left an orphanage in Cleveland in 1945 when I was a month old. When I was a little girl, I envied kids with parents. Then when I learned about sex, and believe me, Pop, you learn fast in an orphanage. Oh, I know. I made a solemn vow that any kid of mine would have both a Pop and a Mom. It kept me pure. Quite a feat in that vicinity. I had to learn to fight to manage it. Then I got older and realized I stood darn little chance of getting married for the same reason I hadn't been adopted. He scowled. I was horse-faced and buck-toothed, flat-chested, and straight-haired. You don't look any worse than I do. Who cares how a barkeep looks, or a rider for that matter? But people wanting to adopt pick little blue-eyed, golden-haired morons. Later on, the boys want bulging breasts, a cute face, and oh-you-wonderful male manner. He shrugged. I couldn't compete. So I decided to join the wenches. Eh? Women's Emergency National Corps Hospitality and Entertainment Section. It's what they now call the Space Angels Auxiliary Nursing Corps, or group. Uh, extraterrestrial legions. I knew both terms once I had them chronized. We use still a third name. It's that Elite Military Service Corps Women's Hospitality Order Refortifying and Encouraging Spacemen. Vocabulary shift is the worst hurdle in time jumps. Did you know that Service Station wants fractions? Once on an assignment in the Churchill era, a woman said to me, meet me at the service station next door, which is not what it sounds, a service station, then wouldn't have a bed in it. He went on, it was when they first admitted you can't send men into space for months and years and not relieve the tension. You remember how the wowsers screamed? 
that improved my chance since volunteers were scarce. A gal had to be respectable, preferably virgin. They liked to train them from scratch. Above average mentally and stable emotionally. But most volunteers were old hookers or neurotics who would crack up 10 days off earth. So I didn't need looks. If they accepted me, they would fix my buck teeth, put a wave in my hair, teach me how to walk and dance, and how to listen to a man pleasingly, and everything else, plus training for the prime duties. They wouldn't even use plastic surgery if it would help. Nothing too good for our boys. Best yet, they had made sure you didn't get pregnant during your enlistment, and you were almost certain to marry at the end of your hitch. Same way the angels marry spacers. They talk the language. When I was 18, I was placed as a mother's helper. This family simply wanted a cheap servant. But I didn't mind as I couldn't enlist till I was 21. I did housework and went to night school, pretending to continue my high school typing in shorthand, but going to a charm class instead to better my chances for enlistment. Then I met this city slicker with his $100 bills. The no good actually did have a wad of $100 bills. He showed me one night told me to help myself, but I didn't. I liked him. He was the first man I ever met who was nice to me without trying games with me. I quit night school to see him oftener. It was the happiest time of my life. Then one night, in the park, the games began. He stopped, I said, and then? And then nothing. I never saw him again. He walked me home, told me he loved me, and kissed me goodnight, and never came back. He looked grim. If I could find him, I'd kill him. Well, I sympathized. I know how you feel, but killing him just for doing what comes naturally. Did you struggle? Huh? What's that got to do with it? Quite a bit. Maybe he deserves a couple broken arms for running out on you, but he deserves worse than that. Wait till you hear somehow I kept anyone from suspecting and decided it was all for the best. I hadn't really loved him and probably would never love anybody, and I was more eager to join the wenches than ever. I wasn't disqualified. They didn't insist on virgins. I cheered up. It wasn't until my skirts got tight that I realized, pregnant? He had me higher than a kite. Those skin flints I lived with ignored it as long as I could work, then kicked me out, and the orphanage wouldn't take me back. I landed in a charity ward surrounded by other big bellies and trotted bedpans until my time came. One night, I found myself on an operating table with a nurse saying, relax, now breathe deeply. I woke up in bed, numb from the chest down. My surgeon came in. How do you feel, he says cheerfully, like a mummy. Naturally, you're wrapped like one and full of dope to keep you numb. You'll get well, but a cesarean isn't a hangnail. Cesarean, I said. Doc, did I lose the baby? Oh no, your baby's fine. Oh, a boy or a girl? A healthy little girl. Five pounds, three ounces. I relaxed. It's something to have made a baby, I told myself. I would go somewhere and tack Mrs. on my name and let the kid think her papa was dead. No orphanage for my kid. But the surgeon was talking. Tell me, uh, he avoided my name. Did you ever think your glandular setup was odd? I said, huh? Of course not. What are you driving at? He hesitated. I'll give you this in one dose, then a hypo to let you sleep off your jitters. You'll have them. Why? I demanded. Ever hear of that Scottish physician who was female until she was 35, then had a surgery and became legally and medically a man, got married, it was all okay? What's that got to do with me? That's what I'm saying. You're a man. I tried to sit up. What? Take it easy. When I opened you, I found a mess. I sent for the chief of surgery. While I got the baby out, 
Then we held a consultation with you on the table and worked for hours to salvage what we could. You had two full sets of organs, both immature, but with the female set well enough developed for you to have a baby. They could never be of any use to you again, so we took them out. Rearrange things so that you can develop properly as a man. He put a hand on me. Don't worry. You're young. Your bones will readjust. We'll watch your glandular balance and make a fine young man out of you. I started to cry. What about my baby? Well, you can't nurse her. You haven't milk enough for a kitten. If I were you, I wouldn't see her. Put her up for adoption. No! He shrugged. The choice is yours. You're her mother. Well, her parent. But don't worry now. We'll get you well first. Next day, they let me see the kid, and I saw her daily, trying to get used to her. I had never seen a brand new baby, and had no idea how awful they look. My daughter looked like an orange monkey. My feelings changed to cold determination to do right by her, but four weeks later, that didn't mean anything. Eh? She was snatched. Snatched? The unmarried mother almost knocked over the bottle we had bet. Kidnapped. Stolen from the hospital nursery. He breathed hard. How's that for taking the last a man's got to live for? A bad deal, I agreed. Let's pour you another. No clues? Nothing the police could trace. Somebody came to see her, claimed to be her uncle. While the nurse had her back turned, he walked out with her. Description? Just a man with a face-shaped face like yours or mine, he frowned. I think it was the baby's father. The nurse swore it was an older man, but he probably used makeup. Who else would swipe my baby? Childless women pull such stunts, but who ever heard of a man doing it? What happened to you then? Eleven more months of that grim place and three operations. In four months, I started to grow a beard. Before I was out, I was shaving regularly and no longer doubted that I was a male. He grinned wryly. I was staring down nurses' necklines. Well, I said, seems to me you came through okay. Here you are, a normal man, making good money, no real troubles, and the life of a female is not an easy one. He glared at me. A lot you know about it. So? Ever hear the expression, a ruined woman? Years ago, doesn't mean much today. I was as ruined as a woman can be. That bum really ruined me. I was no longer a woman, and I didn't know how to be a man. Takes getting used to, I suppose. You have no idea. I don't mean learning how to dress or not walking into the wrong restroom. I learned about those in the hospital. But how could I live? What job could I get? Hell, I couldn't even drive a car. I didn't know a trade. I couldn't do manual labor. Too much scar tissue. Too tender. I hated him for having ruined me for the wenches, too, but... I didn't know how much until I tried to join the Space Corps instead. One look at my belly, and I was marked unfit for military service. The medical officer spent time on me just from curiosity. He had read about my case. So I changed my name and came to New York. I got by as a fry cook, then rented a typewriter, and set myself up as a public stenographer. What a laugh. In four months, I typed four letters in one manuscript. The manuscript was for real-life tales and a waste of paper, but the goof who wrote it sold it, which gave me an idea. I bought a stack of confession magazines and studied them. He looked cynical. Now you know how I get the authentic women's angle on the unmarried mother story. Through the only version I haven't sold, the true one. Do I win the bottle? I pushed it toward him. I was upset myself, but there was work to do. I said, son, you still want to lay hands on that so-and-so? His eyes lighted up, a feral gleam. Hold it, I said. You wouldn't kill him? He chuckled nastily. Try me. Take it easy. I know more about it than you think I do. I can help you. I know where he is. 
He reached across the bar. Where is he? I said softly, let go of my shirt, Sonny, or you'll land in the alley and we'll tell the cops you fainted. I showed him the sap. He let go. Sorry, but where is he? He looked at me and how do you know so much? All in good time. There are records, hospital records, orphanage records, medical records. The matron of the orphanage was Mrs. Featheridge, right? She was followed by Mrs. Grunstein, right? Your name as a girl was Jane, right? And you didn't tell me any of this, right? I had him baffled and a bit scared. What's this? You trying to make trouble for me? No, indeed. I have your welfare at heart. I can put this character in your lap. You do to him as you see fit, and I guarantee that you'll get away with it. But I don't think you'll kill him. You'd be nuts to. And you aren't nuts. Not quite. He brushed it aside. Cut the noise. Where is he? I poured him a short one. He was drunk, but anger was offsetting it. Not so fast. I do something for you. You do something for me. Uh, what? You don't like your work? What would you say to a high pay, steady work, unlimited expense account, your own boss on the job, and lots of variety and adventure? He stared. I'd say, get those goddamn reindeer off my roof. Shove it, Pop. There's no such job. Okay, put it this way. I hand him to you, you settle with him, then try my job. If it's not all I claim, well, I can't hold you. He was wavering. The last drink did it. When do you deliver him? He said thickly. He shoved out his hand. It's a deal. If it's a deal, right now. I nodded to my assistant to watch both ends. Noted the time, 2300. Started to duck through the gate under the bar when the jukebox blared, I'm my own grandpa. The serviceman had orders to load it with Americana and classics because I couldn't stomach the music of 1970, but I hadn't known that tape was in it. I called out, shut that off. Give the customer his money back, I added, storeroom, back in a moment, and headed there with my unmarried mother following. It was down the passage across from the Johns, a steel door to which no one but my day manager and myself had a key. Inside was a door to an inner room to which only I had a key. We went there. He looked blearily around at windowless walls. Where is he? Right away, I opened a case. The only thing in the room, it was a USFF coordinates transformer field kit series 1992 mod 2 a beauty no moving parts weighed 23 kilos fully charged and shaped to pass as a suitcase i had adjusted it precisely earlier that day all i had to do was shake out the metal net which limits the transformation field which i did what's that he demanded time machine i said and tossed the net over us hey he yelled and stepped back There is a technique to this. The net has to be thrown so that the subject will instinctively step back into the metal mesh. Then you close the net with both of you inside, completely. Else you might leave shoe soles behind or a piece of foot or scoop up a slice of floor. But that's all the skill it takes. Some agents con a subject into the net. I tell the truth and use that instant of utter astonishment to flip the switch, which I did. 1036... 3 April 1963, Cleveland, Ohio, Apex Building. Hey, he repeated, take this damn thing off. Sorry, I apologized and did so. Stuffed the net into the case and closed it. You said you wanted to find him. But you said that was a time machine. I pointed out a window. Does that look like November or New York? While he was gawking at new buds in spring weather, I reopened the case, took out a packet of $100 bills, checked that the numbers and signatures were compatible with 1963. The Temporal Bureau doesn't care how much you'd spend. It costs nothing. But they don't like unnecessary anachronisms. 
Too many mistakes and a general court-martial will exile to you to a year and a nasty period, say 1974 with its strict rationing and forced labor. I never make such mistakes. The money was okay. He turned around and said, what happened? He's here. Go outside and take him. Here's expense money. I shoved it at him and added, settle him. Then I'll pick you up. Hundred dollar bills have a hypnotic effect on a person not used to them. He was thumbing them unbelievingly as I eased him into the hall, locked him out. The next jump was easy. A small shift in era. 7100 VI 10 March 1964. Cleveland Apex Building. There was a notice under the door saying that my lease expired next week. Otherwise, the room looked as it had a moment before. Outside, trees were bare and snow threatened. I hurried, stopping only for contemporary money and a coat, hat, and top coat I had left there when I leased the room. I hired a car, went to the hospital. It took 20 minutes to bore the nursery attendant to the point where I could swipe the baby without being noticed. We went back to the Apex building. This dial setting was more involved as the building did not exist in 1945, but I had pre-calculated it. 0100 VI 20 September 1945 Cleveland Skyview Motel. Field kit, baby, and I arrived in a motel outside town. Earlier, I had registered as Gregory Johnson of Warren, Ohio. So we arrived in a room with curtains closed, windows locked, and doors bolted. And the floor cleared to allow for waiver as the machine hunts. You can get a nasty bruise from a chair where it shouldn't be. Not the chair, of course, but backlash from the field. No trouble. Jane was sleeping soundly. I carried her out, put her in a grocery box on the seat of a car I had provided earlier, drove to the orphanage, put her on the steps, drove two blocks to a service station, the petroleum product sort, and phoned the orphanage. Drove back in time to see them taking the box inside, kept going, and abandoned the car near the motel. Walked to it and jumped forward to the Apex building in 1963, 2200 VI, 24 April 1963, Cleveland Apex building. I had cut the time rather fine. Temporal accuracy depends on span, except on return to zero. If I had it right, Jane was discovering out in the park this balmy spring night that she wasn't quite as nice a girl as she had thought. I grabbed a taxi to the home of those skin flints, had the hacky wait around a corner while I lurked in the shadows. Presently, I spotted them down the street, arms around each other. He took her up on the porch and made a long job of kissing her goodnight, longer than I thought. Then she went in, and he came down the walk, turned away. I slid into step, hooked my arm in his. That's all, son. I announced quietly. I'm back to pick you up. You, he gasped and caught his breath. Me. Now you know who he is. And after you think it over, you'll know who you are. And if you think hard enough, you'll figure out who the baby is and who I am. He didn't answer. He was badly shaken. It's a shock to have proved it to you that you can't resist seducing yourself. I took him to the Apex building and we jumped again. 2300 VIII, 12 August, 1985, Sub Rockies Base. I woke the duty sergeant, showed my ID, told the sergeant to bed my companion down with a happy pill and recruit him in the morning. The sergeant looked sour, but rank is rank, regardless of era. He did what I said, thinking, no doubt, that the next time we met, he might be the colonel and I the sergeant, which can happen in our corps. What name, he asked. I wrote it out. He raised his eyebrows. Like, so a, hmm. You just do your job, sergeant. I turned to my companion. Son, your troubles are over. You're about to start the best job a man ever held, and you'll do well. I know. That you will, agreed the sergeant. Look at me, born in 1917, still around, still young, still enjoying life. I went back to the jump room, set everything on pre-selected zero. 
2301 V, 7 November 1970, New York City, Pops Place. I came out of the storeroom carrying a fifth of Drambui to account for the minute I had been gone. My assistant was arguing with the customer who had been playing I'm My Own Grandpa. I said, oh, let him play it, then unplug it. I was very tired. It's rough, but somebody must do it. And it's very hard to recruit anyone in the later years since the mistake of 1972. Can you think of a better source than to pick people all fouled up where they are and give them well-paid, interesting, even though dangerous, work in a necessary cause? Everybody knows why the Fizzle War of 1963 fizzled. The bomb with New York's number on it didn't go off. A hundred other things didn't go as planned, all arranged by the likes of me. But not the mistake of 72. That one is not our fault and can't be undone. There's no paradox to resolve. A thing either is or it isn't. Now and forever, amen. But there won't be another like it. An order dated 1992 takes precedence any year. I closed five minutes early, leaving a letter in the cash register telling my day manager that I was accepting his offer to buy me out to see my lawyer that I was leaving on a long vacation. The bureau might or might not pick up his payments, but they wanted things left tidy. I went to the room in the back of the storeroom and forward to 1993. 2200 VII 12 January 1993, Sub Rockies Annex HQ Temporal DOL. I checked in with the duty officer and went to my quarters, intending to It tasted foul and wondered why I'd ever liked old underwear. But it was better than nothing. I don't like to be cold sober. I think too much. But I don't really hit the bottle either. Other people have snakes. I have people. I dictated my report. 40 recruitments all okayed by the psych bureau, counting my own, which I knew would be okayed. I was here, wasn't I? Then I taped a request for assignment to operations. I was sick of recruiting. I dropped both in the slot and headed for bed. My eye fell on the bylaws of time over my bed. Never do yesterday what should be done tomorrow. If at last you do succeed, never try again. A stitch in time saves nine billion. A paradox may be paradoctored. It is earlier when you think. Ancestors are just people. Even Jove nods. They didn't inspire me the way they had when I was recruit. 30 subjective years of time jumping wears you down. I undress, and when I got down to the hide... I looked at my belly. A cesarean leaves a big scar, but I'm so hairy now that I don't notice unless I look for it. I glanced at the ring on my finger, the snake that eats its own tail, forever and ever. I know where I came from, but where did all you zombies come from? I felt a headache coming on, but a headache powder is one thing I do not take. I did once, and you all went away. So I crawled into bed and whistled out the light. You aren't really there at all. There isn't anybody but me. Jane. Here alone in the dark. I miss you dreadfully. That was beautiful. Oh, God. Oh. Do we want to talk about the story or when did it just end it there? No, I'll just end it. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a production of the Drafty Quarters Podcast Network.